0: with like butter. <laughs> how are you doing ladies and gents? Welcome to another debriefing here with the Cup of Nurses. PD, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Quick announcement guys
1: at the shop going for Christmas. We got some new Christmas releases coming up. Matt's actually wearing the Cup of Nurses tee right there. I got the nurse tee. And Christmas is coming up, so we're giving you guys 15% off with the coupon code mary 15 check checkout. 50% off the whole store. Matt's got a nice blue Cup of Nurses shirt right there. And Christmas Shirts coming out soon. And then units, we already got dropped. We got both the t-shirts, unit t-shirts, and also the unit jackets when you get cold. It's wintertime. It doesn't matter if you're in San Diego. We're still a little chilly in San Diego. And if you're in Chicago, you're super cold. So you need a jacket regardless. Night shift, day shift, you're always cold. You know, pick one up.
0: So it's been an interesting week on the nursing debrief here. Something that happened to me, which I wasn't expecting. I wasn't injured since my appendix was removed in 2008. So I was working Saturday night and saturday morning i had a jiu-jitsu competition De- decided to squeeze one in i was ready for it what happened is i got body slammed mm. the wrong way and i noticed some clicking in my rib i mean i'm a nurse i've never felt clicking in my rib before i felt pain i stopped the the last fight there i'm like okay we should go checked out to the, get checked out to the er mm. Damn. we had to go to the third one the clinic worked. The Other one was closed. The other mm-hmm. one didn't have X-rays because I needed to get an X-ray to see if I um if I have uh, like a fractured rib. Mm-hmm. So went to one like an urgent care that was connected to an ER yeah. in San Diego. Uh, got an X-ray. It took a while. Interesting uh, healthcare experience. Mm-hmm. Being on the other side of the fence, the doctor just like walks in after the X-ray very brief barely touched me mm. just didn't even diagnose me with a slip rib i actually diagnosed myself after research just told me
1: true nurse nope. right there
0: yeah <laughs> self-diagnosed self-diagnosed doctor <Self-diagnosed>. of anxiety <laughs> yeah and i use my freaking pendulum freaking um t- tells me no fracture if it hurts in five days come back you might have a fractured or a hairline fracture mm. that's it doesn't touch you doesn't do a maneuver which is the hook maneuver on the ribs to see if you have a split rib if it moves just Sent me on my way, gave me some ibuprofen coating, so. Yeah. Hmm. And Anyways, I had to call off that day at work. I knew I couldn't get to work. I was barely getting to the car because my rib was literally. Well, real quick. Rib. Sorry. Did you get to see your x-rays? I did not see. Yeah, it. we you, should ask, bro. You should. You could go on the, um, I went on the website mm-hmm. where I got the doctor's note to, and I looked at it, but it was just like um like the impression. You could mm. just read, not the note. Oh, not the actual,
1: not the actual yeah. image of it?
0: No damn okay. so so anyways I was hurt didn't come Saturday to work I could not even turn lay down complete pain I called off the next shift as well this was Saturday I waited to Wednesday to come in and this changed like my nursing perspective of how bad we do not take care of our bodies mm. I was so careful on moving things I was bending properly at the Pixis, pulling out meds I was properly bending over the foley I wasn't lifting any patients guys mm. if I had somebody that was heavy I asked for the, another nurse completely trendelenburg (laughs) as much as i can hover on to gently do it and then sometimes nice you have the ceiling lifts Mm. so that helps out Mm. um but yeah just perspective i just realized how much we just hurt our backs in the workplace or Mm. the ergonomics and everything it's just crucially important Mm. and now it's been almost two weeks i feel better where i'm not wearing a brace I'm still kind of being careful. I haven't gone to the gym, haven't done jujitsu. I'll probably do that for like two, three weeks. How's it feel pooping? Oh, it's fine, bro. It's fine. But the first week, I couldn't sneeze. I, <laughs> my body had so much fear of sneezing. sneezing. I was like, uh. oh my God. And just, it was crazy because mm. my body knew that sneezing wasn't worth it because mm. had so much pain.
1: Damn, that, that's probably the worst. Never satisfied with sneezes like that. Yeah,
0: and it was damn crazy, crazy I mean, experience. No pooping, no
1: problem. What if you're, having, what if you're really gassy? Oh, Nothing? those no issues, No bro. issues, Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, but it's crazy how a hairline fracture, it's not like completely fractured. Like when typically you think of like a fracture, people think of a broken bone. But this is a hairline. So the bone's still attached. It's just like so, almost like so a I, little
0: I don't have a hairline fracture, I have mm. slipped ribs. Oh slip rib, also. Oh. So the slip rib syndrome, the last three ribs, mm-hmm. uh 11, ten, eleven, mm-hmm. they're not connected to the sternum. They're connected to like the intercostal oh. like spaces. So when you have like uh inflammatory response in the steroid, it just makes it very like um it moves. It moves. So you get you the movement have, hurts. The movement hurts, and that's where the clicking was. I mm-hmm. couldn't figure out what that was initially. But then
1: are they in place though? So how do you put them back in place, or do they do re- they will eventually stop moving over time? They just stop
0: moving over time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if they you, get back. if you have okay. pain for such a long time, then you could uh, have surgical interventions. But I mm-hmm. believe that it's just going to heal, and so I'm young. No, it's even mustamed, yeah. The biggest thing I was worried about is I had so much pain and breathing, I thought I developed a pneumothorax. That was my biggest yeah. fear, man. So I went to go get that x-ray. He told me I have no pneumo. I'm like, life
1: is yeah, good, man. man.
0: I'll, I'll take this pain. So
1: Because when I got to my accident back in the day, like, I thought I had a pneumo at 1.2 because it was super hard to breathe. So I was like worried about that, too. Yeah. But yeah. Damn. That's crazy how that, how that happened. So now we're we taking, taking it easy, not
0: going to the gym or anything, laying low no gym, I couldn't do, um, I don't know what the movement is, when you're just like hands, Mm. when you're on all fours and you're just extending your arm, that took me a whole week to do to start Mm. stretching. So yeah, it just slowed me down in life, guys. Mm. I just realized I need to slow down, way too much going on, just self-care, self-love. And yeah. Yeah, what did you get for meds? Uh, Ibuprofen, Mm. uh, 800 milligrams, and I got a Cody number three. Talent number three? Yeah, talent number three. Mm. I just took it once, I wasn't a fan of it want to feel drowsy. Mm. Just a lot of icing and, yeah, straight yeah. business. Did he give me anything in the hospital, IV wise No, he wanted to give me a shot in my ass of Toradol. <laughs> like, you know, like, I am or something. I'm just, like, thinking, I'm like, dude, I'm not wasting insurance money on a tordol shot right now. Who knows how much money they're going to charge me. I'm like, just give me something over um, over the counter. I'll worry about it. Dude, they didn't even send me home with an ice pack. <laughs> the <laughs> Craziest thing ever. I-, I can't believe this is the hospital experience. Like, you okay? Maybe some offering me some water. I'm hurting a little bit. <laughs> Nothing, man. The hospitality given the ICU is insane. Like this, I this I felt like my perspective changed about healthcare, man. I know why healthcare is the way it is. But
1: think about it. What if that same nurse had a patient that like had a patient that were like in real bad shape? Oh,
0: there was no nurse. I just got triaged. Oh, no, That's it. Yeah, the only time I talked to a nurse was when I should check my blood pressure. The, way. the rest of it, I was sitting in a waiting room, room, and I was walking back and forth between the <laughs> office or between another room to get an X ray. <laughs> Trust you, man. If I would, I would want to be addicted to the nurse, but there was no <laughs> <Yeah>. nurse.
1: <laughs> that's so, a, yeah. damn. The nurse, that's that's probably super short. There's nobody to come really check up on you. Just you know, in and out. Yeah. I mean, you seem a healthy person. Probably just like well, he's yeah, some pain. I, sucks. I made it. I was fine. Yeah, they're probably like if thinking about it. Like they probably came and looked at you. Probably like. Well, I mean, whatever. If, if it's a, if it's a hairline fracture or a slip rib, like, he's breathing. No, yeah, he's breathing. There's no need for surgery. Nothing we can really do. Send him home. It's gonna suck, but <laughs> I got to see another patient. Right. You know, here's, here's the doctor's. Yeah. Model. Yeah.
0: And none, as,
1: none, none. You can do for it but time.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I'm just gonna heal up. Yeah. And then as far as, nothing really interesting happened in house. We just lift the patients. Same old, same old, had some poops, you know what I mean? Yeah, has Should your diet changed? Cleaned real quick? a
1: couple of patients. Did I recommend any kind of diet? Probably no, right? Keeping, no. keeping you There's Absolutely no know. education, bro. Maybe some more milk or something? I, I
0: checked my paperwork. There's no educational <laughs> information about maybe like ribs or injury yeah. or icing. Mm-hmm. It was just a verbal, bro. It wasn't yeah. even doctor, it was a PA. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, man. <laughs> A bit, I'm a little bit upset, if you can tell, but I, I am healing.
1: Matt wanted the sandwich and the apple juice right that's there. That's all I wanted. I wanted
0: some hospitality, man. The five-star service I give to my patients.
1: If Matt ever ends up in your hospital, just offer this guy a sandwich and a juice box. He's, he's He'll be happy, man. The, the more he's chewing, the less he's talking and complaining, yeah. you know? Yeah,
0: that's how I felt about that tortoise. I'm like, maybe they got to start an IV. I ain't trying to do all that. Let me just go home and take an ibuprofen. As far as something interesting I learned um, in the hospital, I had a patient that was completely Not to take up too much time. I want to hear Mm. PD stories. Quick one. He had chronic lymphoma, leukemia. He was so immunocompromised, he developed a fungus called cryptococcus. Mm. Sounds like a cryptocurrency. (laughs) Gang, gang. And um, he had a really harsh antifungal. They they put him on called Amphotericin, Mm. And it's super uh, renal toxic. So Mm. prior to giving the medication, you need to give uh, Tylenol because it causes fevers. You got to give Benadryl you got to give a 500 cc fluid bolus interesting before 30 minutes before you give this medication and then you have to prime the tubing of d5 w and you have to flush it before and afterwards never heard of a process like that but that's something that this medication we had to do for so it's crazy because this medication gives you such severe side
1: effects that we have to pre-medicate you before we give it so we wanted to elicit a response to your body but the only way that we can elicit their response is with these other cascade of of severe symptoms. So it's like damn. So it's like we're trying to treat one thing, but then we're damaging all these other, other things by trying to do the same same, if you could say, reaction. Which yeah. is mind blowing crazy how that works.
0: Yeah. And it's also damn. crazy to think about how this person is so immunocompromised. That his body is just a storage to fungus or parasites mm-hmm. and all these like Damn. diseases that you would normally catch as a as a healthy individual. How do you catch it? But you're so immunocompromised. I'm not sure. There's uh. you know they just do some cultures and they they did a titer for it, mm-hmm. so it's not even a blood culture. Damn. They did a titer for that specific uh, fungal infection and it was positive. Interesting. It's so wild.
1: Wow, that's crazy, dude. Yeah. Damn. That's, I never heard of. I never gave anything like that, like that before. Was that your first time?
0: that was my first time. yeah
1: i mean I've, I've given like lasix and like benadryl before starting blood or things like that but nothing um nothing like like that
0: yeah so how was your shift man what's new what did you learn
1: it was good man I floating a lot it was coming to the end of our contract here we're heading back to chicago and then we're moving on to thailand in january so it should be a very fun time we're trying to vlog it like we did uh our vlogs back in the day
0: yeah back in the 2020 days mm, should
1: be a good time um but like yeah floating a lot but the one thing that i noticed <clears throat> more commonly than, than, than before is I had two patients within a two-week period that had necrotizing fasciitis. So necrotizing fasci- fasciitis is a bacterial infection and it actually destroys your flesh, like it eats up your flesh. And sometimes it gets so bad where you have to amputate uh, that body part if you don't treat it with antibiotics right away. And you treat it with harsh antibiotics too. Um, and the patient that I had, they actually fell outside and they were outside for 24 hours before somebody found them, Damn. and they were they were brought in and they had bilateral lower extremity, necrotizing fasciitis, so severe that they went they took off a bunch of her skin off the bat. They put on a wound vacs, and the prognosis is that this patient is going to need bilateral lower extremity amputation. Damn. Poor, but she's poor but trauma. she's refusing that. So she literally has this, necrotizing fasciitis going on, this crazy bacterial infection. She's getting treated with IV antibiotics. She's on a PCA pump. And we're just waiting. We're just, we're just waiting because she doesn't want the amputation. So what could happen is if they don't amputate it quick enough, it's going to keep spreading. She might even need to get you know her thighs removed or, or other parts of her body because it could spread to your, to your hands, to other right. parts of the body. So she's risking that. But also sepsis. How much of this infection can your lower extremities take before it spreads internally throughout the body and you just go septic? And you get in from the inside because there was this one story that I, that I heard where a patient came in, came in, and it was a COVID patient where they had like a little dot on their, on their neck. So they were turning this patient stuff like that, but somehow that patient before they got to the hospital got necrotizing fasciitis in, in, her skin, in, her, in her body, but it was in her muscles. Wow. So it ate the patient's back from the inside. And they caught it because there was like a little pimple on on the neck. And then when they did a, when they did a CT scan and X-rays and did all a few like all those all those imaging's. They saw that there was literally nothing in this patient's back. There's no muscle, just skin. Poor thing. Yeah, that's how crazy it spreads. And you got hit with with IV antibiotics. And they had to literally put a whole giant wound vac on this person's back.
0: So what happened with the uh, the patient then? So she didn't want to get her lower extremities amputated. Yeah. What's the uh, the next twenty four hours there? Five um, hours.
1: Really harsh heavy antibiotics. Like every cup, every like four to six hours, some an antibiotic going, and she was also on a PCA pump. Yeah. And she had a wound vaccines. They had already taken off some of her skin that was already gone, and like the fact that she has already did so much damage where that skin has to come off no matter what. Yeah. Like I said, she's refusing those like, those amputations, so it's like, are the antibiotics going to treat it before it gets too severe? Before the patient goes septic, like it's it's crazy, and she chose that, and she's like kind of out of it. She's on a PCA pump, she's in a lot of pain, and you're just waiting. And I had her on my last last shift, so that's all I that's all I know about her. But it's crazy.
0: Um, I'm gonna be interested to hear back at like what happens because yeah. normally the mortality rate is very high, especially if the patient refuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually we know that we have to amputate right away. In her case, it's looking like severe septic shock, potentially being on pressors and. Uh, well she she was not intubated. Sounds like so. no,
1: no, she's not intubated. But yeah, she was in she's in bad shape, real bad shape. Like bilateral I extremity mean, wound vax, and they were pretty big. You know, so you know, I had those green cushions under her, her legs yeah. and everything, you know, prevent those uh any kind of ulcers and stuff like that. Turning Q two for sure. Like it, was, it sucked, man. She just seemed like she was in a lot of pain always. Yeah, she was on PCA pump, and I was giving her PO, um, morphine. So yeah, straight business. But yeah, this. This necrotizing fascia only occurs about 20,000 people a year and 20,000 people a year. So that's, I got two right there and like a two-week span, which yeah. is pretty rare.
0: And I wonder how this, I know I know, it's like a type of um bacteria, but I wonder if it's like a specific strain, which these bacteria have this like super ability of creating necrotizing tissue right away, right? like this mm. instant cell death. It's insane. Yeah. It's
1: gross looking too, man. Yeah, I had another patient that had a clotting factor issue. I forgot what number of clotting factor factor uh, the, the issue was in, but it was new diagnosed. And we we're actually looking at the medication cost and it was three hundred to $500,000 $500, a year, this, this cost. These are injections. So to treat this this factor, I don't know, a seven or six or eight disease, just treating that issue costs you... Almost half a million dollars, and a year, a year yeah,
0: just to do that.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And how could somebody afford that? If you think about it, half a million dollars a year—that's doesn't give access to this medication. If if you're not wealthy, you don't have access to medication at all. Because yeah. I can't, I can't afford everything about it. You, right. You know, but you, but you would somehow try to get it, and you would just add the debt, add debt, add up, and you're literally
0: just. That that's also crazy. Yeah. When it comes to capitalism, is our government should be funding projects like projects like this, so ultimately it could save like human life. So it's not so expensive.
1: Yeah, but I'm sure it's somehow government doesn't pay for a partial of it, right? But but still, you're basically paying that debt for the rest of your life, physically and financially, bro. Yeah, yeah health wise and money wise.
0: Yeah, and it's, overall, it's just just like Pete said before. It's been just a lot of floating in the hospital. Even uh, it was Thanksgiving a few weeks ago, if you're listening down to the episode, and same thing. Within 30 minutes, I got a report on a full set of patients and floated 30 minutes later to another floor, floated again. And it's this very ongoing thing. Overall, this facility that we work at, which we can't really disclose, has a very negative traveler review. Mm-hmm. We're already kind of like on our end tail of the contract where we have two more weeks. And we have this group about with 30 travelers across the hospital in all specialties that want like shift swaps and all that. And what happened 13 weeks ago to not liking the scheduler, to sending emails to this person and to management to see if we can make this change and make a better traveler or traveler schedule. Same old issues are happening. And it's just the unfortunate Mm -hmm. part of being a travel nurse where you might not get the best schedule, the best picking people complain about schedules family wants to come in for a trip and you have to work those days and your scheduler doesn't listen to you and some facilities it's the manager it's just it is what it is you have to take that hit
1: yeah and it was like a few travelers that tried to like get together to to have this this change but guess what you're filming there for three months and you leave after three months show me so much you could do because your first couple weeks on a contract you're trying to figure out how to how to work and then mid-contract, you're trying to figure out the, the place that you're at, you're trying to get comfortable, and really, you only have time the last couple of weeks to actually try and make a change, but they don't really care. Like, you're leaving, which kind of sucks. You're always on a bottom total pole because I think they're floating us on purpose because there's no way – you were in ICU recently, though, weren't you? Yeah, okay. But before that, it was, it was a minute,
0: yeah, right? but I was also hurt, so I called off oh, yeah, two shifts, true. so I have, I have skewed data there. Yeah, because
1: <laughs> yeah. last time I was in ICU was when I was with you in ICU, so that was three shifts ago. So, so it's actually not, not that bad, it it's feels like a lot. But still, last three shifts being floated it kinda sucks. It
0: does, it's so, just a lot more stressful. Yeah. Like yesterday I charted on seven patients, the other shift it might be like four, five, six, depending on what's happening. Mm. So it's just a continuous thing. I mean, it makes us super resilient. Yeah. You hear nurses that they're hiring to DOU and they're struggling with the hiring process, are you know, struggling with like re- getting report and all that, they're kinda saying that these aren't really critical nurses. And then like the travelers are just picking it up so quick. Like we are a special breed where mm-hmm. you have your specialty figured out. You know it very well where you could be, you know, quote unquote, the Navy seal of health care. You could just jump in anywhere, get rapport and just kind of roll with the punches. And that's yeah. literally how that's the only thing I'm thankful for this contract is just the resilience that it teaches you because you're always on the flow. Every single shift, there's always uncertainty. You don't know where if you're working, you know, not only are you worried about what patients you're trying to get all the time. And I worried about what floor you're going to work mm. on. And it's a continuous stress, but it, right. you know, it's fun. And each floor has different protocols. For example,
1: blood sugars. Some floors, if you're coming out of your night shift, you cover the 7 a.m. sugars or 30 sugars. But on some floors, if you're 7.30, you don't even measure them and you don't cover them. And yeah. some you just measure but don't cover. It's just like, like what? Like why is there a different giant discrepancy? And you, you never know. You, I'm always asking that question. Hey, do I cover sugars? Every, every place I go, even ice cream I forget sometimes I get it mixed up and I they got, they got reminded me because it's just like I always float everywhere everything's different and I have to always figure out what way I do I gotta do certain things
0: right so if you're a nurse that like likes the comfort of knowing all your policies and you're running through it, you have to give up that that value because you're always going to be asking mm. questions as a traveler especially with like what we're experiencing and Peter just yeah. mentioned
1: and Loki not gonna lie there are times where I float and it's actually a really really good night like smooth, like smooth like butter. Way
0: better than the ICU. Way better
1: than, like smoother than a smooth day in ICU. Actually, I don't think there's a smoother day than a smooth day in ICU because everything's going good and you have only like a few meds to give, then that's super smooth because even in like a super smooth day in like a telefloor floor or a medsor's floor, you still get those call lights. And the mornings
0: get a little bit busy. Yeah,
1: but if someone's intubated, sedated, and you know they're not going to be doing anything, they're on maybe one presser or two pressers and no one's trying to titrate anything and it's like, Saturday morning, no one's going to be doing anything on Sunday. So you're kind of laying low if you have and you, have, and you hit that.
0: You turn the patient, empty the Foley's, mm-hmm. change your tube feeds. If you have yeah. to, you're squared away. Yeah, you
1: just, You just spe- you spend, if you spend your shift making the room look pretty, that's a smooth day. Yeah, because yeah, you have nothing else to do that
0: night. The only thing that makes things difficult in our like floating career here is that CNAs don't do vitals. Mm. We're responsible for the vitals. So, like, as soon as, like, 5 a.m. hits, you're trying to, like, surf around, see who wakes up, catch them really quick, get their blood pressure yeah, and all yeah. that stuff, and then you do their meds. And that's what sucks. It's just very unpredictable. You have a patient that has a puric completely wet the bed or completely shit the bed or is on the ortho floors. So you got to give them some pain meds. You got to get them up to the bathroom, 15, 20 minutes, go there. You got three or four patients. And, it, um, yeah, you got to hustle mm. sometimes on the floors. So, yeah, it's a give and take between Smooth nights there the ICU. Yeah, you're right, you're right, man. Because in ICU, I like to do things super early, so I think it's
1: done on time. So I always like when a patient has to go, like when I'm floating to DOU or or uh, telly or med surge. I like when a patient buzzes at like five o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom. I'm like, for sure, dude. Six o'clock. Take care. I'm gonna take yeah. the butter's machine. Yeah, dude. Sometimes low key. Some sometimes if I take a pep to do at seven or whatever, I backdrag it to like six. And I give it a five, you know, I'm just the bathroom, you know, for sure. Like it's vital. It's like, no, he's good. He's good. I like doing that, especially like in the ICU too, because sometimes things that happen, I change of shift. I like to finish like an hour early. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's kind of hard sometimes, but I like to finish an hour early. That way from like six to seven, I could just lay low and maybe help somebody else out. Or if something, something happens, I could help out in that yes. sense. I always try, to, always try to be early because you never know. Sometimes it's just things take, long, things take longer. And when you're in an ICU and everyone's intubated, sedated, you're working on your own schedule. Just super, super nice.
0: Especially if they have like NG tube and stuff, yeah, we're chilling. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies and gents. Hope you enjoyed this debrief. Anything you want to say? Close it off. Make sure you guys check out the chop. chop. Make sure you guys check out the shop. The choppa. Choppa. Merry
1: Christmas. And um, make sure you use code Merry15 for 15% off.
0: The whole couple nurses shop, couple nurses shop. Peace, ladies and gents. Peace.